0: Welcome to another episode of Mission Compliance, unleashing growth potential for defense contractors. In today's episode, we continue down the road of understanding CMMC, its regulations, and controls. Up next is AC.L2-3.1.4. Separate the duties of individuals to reduce the risk of malevolent activity without collusion. That sounds like a lot, so we'll break down what this control means, why, why it matters, and how it impacts your organization's cybersecurity posture. We'll also provide practical insights and strategies for achieving compliance and securing your systems effectively. So whether you're a defense contractor aiming to win more contracts, or simply someone interested in bolstering your cybersecurity knowledge, you're in the right place. Let's light this candle! We're joined once again today by Mike Frieder, president of On Call Compliance Solutions and a CMMC professional assessor and an expert on all of these controls, so he's the right person to have in the hot seat. So Mike, we're talking about organizational duties. This control emphasizes the importance of separating duties based on job roles to avoid questionable activity. With that being said, why is it crucial to separate duties within an organization to enhance cybersecurity, especially in defense contracting?
1: Yeah, this is a really a really great question because I think it's a control that is often misunderstood. Um, this is interestingly not really so much an IT-focused uh, control. And I think, of course, you know, for my friends who are IT directors and, and just generally IT people in the audience, uh, it's commonly sort of landed in your laps because it looks like IT and smells like IT. But in fact, actually a lot of these Uh, Controls really wind up not being IT related, and this is a great example. Uh, You know, when we start talking about the idea of separating duties, um, this has got to start really with the architectural design of the company, and that you know, in most cases, will be will be, you know, sort of headed top down with the CEO and and any kind of uh, HR folks. So, you know, I think that when it comes to what is it, you know, what is separating duties? Well, first off, you know, a great example is you don't want someone in accounting who goes out, checks the mail and gets, uh, you know, the checks and then have that same person do the deposits and then have that same person also be the person that pays the bills. And therefore, they would be both getting the bill and paying the bill. And, you know, then having no supervision or no control over that, because, again, that person could very easily forge a check. They could send money to the wrong place and all kinds of other really nasty, no good, disgusting stuff. The goal if, of this control and NIST is to just simply eliminate their ability to be stupid, to, <laughs> to eliminate their ability to make that kind of mistake. Now, that's one example that's pretty easy to follow from an accounting perspective, because I think everybody kind of gets the idea of, hey, You know, you need supervision over who's got check writing access and things like that. You don't want to make it easy for them to make up a fake bill that comes in and then wind up paying themselves. Uh, Similar situations exist where people have access to things in IT systems that they simply do not need to have access to, which could facilitate things like internal fraud and uh, misuse of funds and, and frankly, misuse of information as well. Um, I think that, again, another example of that is you don't need everybody that has access to controlled unclassified information. Uh, Those people who are handling controlled unclassified information should probably have something about that in their job description, that they are a person who's authorized to handle controlled unclassified information. They're going to take training in it, and that generally speaking, they're just going to know what to do with it. So as a result, uh, we want to separate people who don't handle CUI. We want to separate them out of a system that holds CUI. And, you know, the more that we can do that, the safer our our control on classified information is, and as such, NIST actually mandates this. Um, So, you know, the idea of separating the duties of individuals to reduce the risk of that malevolent activity without collusion is the idea that ultimately you have an ability for someone to be able to, um, you know, just not share in job duties where fraudulent things can happen or where information can be misappropriated.
0: That, that's a good point and 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 the funny thing is uh on my uh, on my sheet here on my episode breakdown i've actually written i don't have anything clever to say here because when i <laughs> when i was writing this episode i didn't have anything to banter off of but you gave me something so that's the point of having somebody else to talk to you mentioned that this often gets thrown into the IT director's lap or the IT department. And it's not really an IT issue. That is why we talk about on this podcast and in our, and in our, the YouTube videos, IT and compliance are not the same thing. They, they, they do have a lot of crossover, but that's the importance of needing a compliance officer in your business to, to fully understand, uh, what needs to get done? So, you brought up a nice point. So, I do have something to say here rather than my sheet just saying I don't have anything clever to say here. <laughs> Moving on. Maybe it's really clever to say that you don't have anything clever to say, right? Like, maybe that's hey, really. Very- oh. I'll take credit for that thing. Uh, <laughs> what What are the key assessment points that an assessor would be looking for on this particular control? Great question. Yeah. So there's three
1: assessment points. Uh, the first one is to determine if the duties of individuals requiring separation are defined. Um, and and again, if you're reading the control and you're just sort of trying to write an answer to the control, I don't really know that the control itself would allude to what the assessors are really looking for. Um, and the way that we answer this is is we say, hey, look, let's look at the job descriptions that are in place for all authorized users able to access CUI. Now, obviously our answer is gonna be unique to CUI because this is a NIST system security plan. Um, But again, if we're looking at this more from a general sense because there are people outside of defense that use NIST SP-800-171 as a great means for protecting information in general. Again, if it's good enough for defense, it's probably good enough for a hospital or something like that. Uh, You know, ultimately, yeah, you should have job duties in job descriptions, and then that will determine if the duties of those individuals may require separation, right? Um, You know, one more place that we see this all the time is in production staff versus quality staff. Um, If you're in charge of quality assurance, you probably shouldn't also be the person who is making the part that needs to be quality assured, right? So that's just one small, again, yet another example. And so that would be reflected in the job duties And that would allow someone on the outside to determine if those duties require separation. Um, So next up, uh, next assessment point is determine if responsibilities for duties that require separation are assigned to separate individuals. So another issue is we may have to kind of, you know, more or less document where could potential conflicts happen um, within the organization. I think that's really something that I think not enough small to mid-sized organizations really think about. You know, In terms of how do mistakes happen, how does fraud happen, how does quality fail, how do people get into the accounting systems, I just don't really think most small to mid-sized businesses really look at that. I think more often they look at that in a sense of what did we experience in the past? In other words, what mistakes do we make and how do we not make that mistake again? Uh, you know, NIST sort of forces you into looking at risk from a proactive standpoint, so um you know, what we like to answer on that assessment point is something to the extent of, you know, each author is uh, sort of only granted access to that information which is required in order to complete their job duties. So they wouldn't have information available to them outside of what is needed to do the job duties uh, in order to, you know, perform that, that malevolent activity. Uh, as we also kind of recommend, you should have some sort of a, a brake pedal in there. So we say upon completion or change in duties, access is modified or revoked. And, of course, the IT ticket request from the information owner when they're done with the job. So the idea really is, is that you only get access to that information so long as you need it in your job role. And that's a huge part of security. I think I think most security incidents simply wouldn't occur if they didn't have access to way more information than they need at that time. Uh, final assessment point is determine if access privileges that enable individuals to exercise the duties that require separation are granted to separate individuals. So, in other words, do you have the same person, you know, who uh, has, is an admin in the accounting program, uh, you know, are they also an admin of some other program that may conflict or something like that? That's a really terrible example, but the idea really is, do you have access privileges um, to systems, uh, you know, that that they shouldn't have access to, right? So. Again, if we were answering that, we'd say access privileges are granted to each authorized user individually at the direction of the information system owner via an IT ticket. The information owner determines who is assigned duties based on their currently assigned job duties. So again, it's all sort of job duty based, but what we're saying here is, you know, if we're determining if access privileges um, that enable individuals to exercise the duties that require separation are granted, there's gotta be somebody that's granting that. There has to be a process for granting it. There has to, generally speaking, be an access control policy uh, and access privileges. So the question is, how does all of that work? How does it all flow? How do people get access to information? And then how does information access then get revoked? Uh, and I would say that's you know, that's a good portion of the answer uh, to this to this entire control. Ultimately the goal here, right? What is the goal? The goal is to make sure that people don't have too much access, that you don't have one guy with a skeleton key to everything, Unless they're you know meant to have that access, and that if you've got sensitive parts of the information system that could be affected uh, you know because they've got a conflicting job duty, that should really be laid out in writing. Uh, and you should get someone else to help with that. Um, maybe another great way to put this is if you remember all the superhero movies where they're trying to stop the bomb from going off, the bomb takes two keys to deactivate. So, we shouldn't just have one guy with a key who can set off the bomb. We should have you know two people who are both needed to set off the bomb, and that makes a proper good storyline.
0: You know I'm so glad you touched on that because I don't know if I've said this on the podcast or not, but my favorite uh movie franchise of all time is Mission Impossible and in Mission Impossible Six. That's exactly how the movie ended. They needed two keys to deactivate the bomb and they did it just in time as you do in the movies. So, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> hey, those, uh, those movie producers, they're pretty smart. I, I, I love some Mission Impossible. Love it, love it. Um, like many of these controls, implementation doesn't automatically make it a smooth transition so you mentioned you know con- uh, conflict with 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 job job responsibilities and that kind of thing but what other challenges might organizations face when trying to implement and enforce this this particular control effectively
1: it's a really great question you know i think that the biggest challenge for most organizations is proper documentation I really think that in terms of running a company, most companies are focused on the running of the company, keeping the operation lean, and all that other kind of stuff. And as a result, they wind up blindsided to the risks in an organization. And I really think that's a substantial danger. I think just not enough people really do consider, uh, you know, the risks of that. Um, you know, the accounting one is is a really easy one to hit on, but. I think a harder one that most people don't think about is who are your quality assurance people and are they involved in production? Um, particularly in a lot of defense applications, there's a lot of quality assurance required, a lot of standards that are required, and so you know, quality assurance not conflicting with production, allowing that to you know criticize and and you know call out and sort of get the bad pieces out of the way yeah I think that's just so important. And I think that uh, you know the ability for that to be free and and not have any kind of interference is really important. There are lots of other examples. Again, we talked about having you know access to too much information, but um, again, I think that the real challenge is you've actually got to sit down and you've got to do job descriptions. You've actually got to sit down and you've got to do all of the things that need to be done in terms of, well, what's necessary to, you know define what someone's job is. And then look at all the job descriptions and make sure that there are no conflicts. So, um, you know, and I think the final piece of that is we run across companies, even large ones with several hundred employees sometimes that don't have a ticketing system. They don't have an access control policy. Uh, You know, they just sort of, you know, John and HR phones down to the IT help desk or IT guy and says, go do this. There's no record of, you know, access authorizations ever being granted. It's just that John told me to do it. And the problem may not be a big deal at first, but it's a big deal when we go to find out why someone who's a lower-level employee all of a sudden has massive access throughout the organization to stuff they shouldn't. Uh, And then we have no way to really audit and figure out who made that original request. And, you know, I think that that's probably the toughest thing about implementation with this one is because it's not really a direct... It's not really directly in line with how to secure... Um, you know, something from an IT perspective, this is really where the IT folks have to work with HR and even managers or executives to figure out how this should be implemented. So I would say this is probably one of the more complex controls to really have implemented well, because when it's done well, there's no complex. Everything actually runs smoother in a company. And when it's not, uh, you know, that's a lot of times the reason why quality suffers overall in an organization and certainly why fraud happens, which is pretty scary.
0: Yeah, you know, this is something I think that can be. You you mentioned outlining job responsibilities. You know, get, sitting down with people and be like, "These are your job responsibilities." To give our listeners another example, like that's something that you do really well at on call. When I saddled up to the table, uh, you said, "All right, well, you this is your." This is your that you've been. This is your area of of stuff. So so you need access to these folders and these folders and these documents, but there's no there's no reason for you to have uh, access to to X thing and this kind of stuff. So it's so it's like for for a specific position, you have no reason to have access to certain things, and you have all, every reason to have access to other things, and that is how you kind of can keep things segmented. So just just as as an example to our listeners, uh Mike and 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 the upper management here at OnCall, they 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 you 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 want to get on top of it right at the jump. You know, you bring a new employee in, be like these are your responsibilities, this is what you'll need access to, end of story, right? So
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know, maybe you know for some of the small to mid-sized businesses that listen to our podcast, maybe it's useful to outline exactly how I do that because I think it's you know, maybe the example is, uh, the, you know, maybe the example is an example that's better or maybe clearer to explain for some than it would be to just go through and sort of give you an answer off of a sample system security plan. Um, but, you know, what Roman is referring to is, you know, in our marketing department, um, every single position has obviously a job title, but then it has a, a job description. And then literally we have an Excel spreadsheet of weekly expectations, bullet pointed out, we have five days in in an average work week where we are literally bulleting out to the minute what we believe as managers, the expectation would be for what kind of time it takes to perform the duties that add up to the weekly output in the far left column. And we sit down with our new hires and we go, this is the job. Can you do it? is there any part of this timetable that you think is undoable? And is there any part of, you know, the job description, right? The job duties that we're describing to you that you have questions about, feel conflicted about, you know, do you think you're going to be able to handle this kind of stuff? And, you know, I'll tell you that from, from a managerial perspective, if you do it like that, number one, there is a crystal clear black and white expectation that is mutually understood, you can both point back to it saying, this is what was supposed to be done. So when something doesn't get done, it's a very, very clear understanding that it didn't get done. There's, It's undeniable. And who it's, didn't do it, right? Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it, dude, it's, it's like right there. There it was Monday from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. You're supposed to be doing X. I don't know why you may not have been doing that, but there it is. There's your direction. And then, you know, I think another thing we do particularly well is, and we did this just today, in fact, Uh, you know, when something changes and there's a changed expectation on that employee, then we go back in right then, right in front of them, like literally in the middle of the meeting, we go, hey, we got to update what it is that you do on a daily basis. Um, I I think that for a lot of small to mid-sized business owners and mid-tier managers, they really get stuck on this job description thing. And they're thinking like, it's gotta be some long diatribe. And it's like, no, they can be six squares in Excel. It it really, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. But I will tell you that any subordinate, any employee will love you so much more if you can just clearly define what success looks like for them. And then the amazing part is it's okay if success evolves. It just needs to evolve in black and white on paper so that there can't be, I mean, excuse my French, but any BSing of each other, right? I mean, I think that's another thing that employees just really, really hate is missed promises or missed expectations. Uh, you know, when you've when you've got an expectation for what is good performance, and then you know, you think as an employee you're hitting it, and as an as a manager, you're you're like, Yeah, you're doing okay, or you know, maybe you're not qualifying for highest tier of raise, and you're sitting there looking at that as the employee going, like, what the hell are you talking about? Man, I'm doing everything you asked me to do. And then it's like, well, where's the job description that showed you what you were supposed to do? Where is the where is a very simple list of the duties you're supposed to be doing and what it looks like to have success? Now, again, if you put two employees with those spreadsheets together, you can very clearly articulate a lack of or an existence of um, those conflicts of interest, that, that malevolent activity. Um, but, you know, Roman, I think you, you really bring up a great point. I I wasn't really thinking about you or your job description in this, but, you know, as, as we kind of look, we did, we did make a modification, you know, earlier in the day to that. And it's, it's a tremendous example of, does it take extra time to do that? Yeah. You know, I think when you're really small in a business, it's okay to say, Hey, Roman, you're going to wear six different hats today, but I think those six hats can be defined on paper. And I think they should be, um, and I think in cases where, you know, you have a failure of management to define that, uh, it's an indicator of immaturity. And, you know, our goal here on this podcast is to help you guys level up and, and really be a compliance hero for your company. So when I see stuff like that, you know, um, you know, look, I'm 21 years into managing, managing on-call, right? Like uh, 21 years of managerial experience. And maybe that's a lot. Maybe that's a little, it depends on how old you are, how long you've been managing people. But um, I will tell you that when everyone has a clear understanding of what their duties are, and when the managers can put those side by side, you will wind up with an efficient, well-oiled machine as long as you have employees who are executing on what their job duties are. And let me tell you what, you'll run the most profitable, most efficient operation you can imagine. I think there were evidence of that.
0: Yeah, and and that's that's one reason I brought it up, because I knew that with these controls, they can get relatively complex. And I knew that for our listeners it might be beneficial to have a practical example of, hey, this is what happened uh, with me. This is what happened. This was my experience as an employee, with you as a as a manager, as an executive. So to give our listeners a very, very practical and very real example. And that can go both that can go both ways, not just manager to employee, but the employee is also able to be like, hey, like this is what I need. Like to to piggyback off of that example, there, there, there was a change in my responsibilities at one time, and and I I felt like I was gonna have to wear six different hats at one time, and I came to you and I said, hey, can we break it down, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so I know exactly what I need to do each day, so that this does not get overwhelming. So this is it was just to brought up to illustrate a practical example for our listeners that this is how you can avoid these problems by manager and employees sitting down and being like a b c d on this day
1: yeah 100 so. and you know i think i think we ought to send uh send our hr team a copy of this podcast when it's over with i think they could they could probably uh i don't know that they would run any lessons right because they're the ones that they teach <laughs> this stuff, but uh, I, I think it's just really a wonderful example you know we kind of, you know, we're focused on helping defense contracting companies get compliant. We're focused on helping them be more secure in information. And, you know, it's very interesting because as we explore, you know, the controls in NIST SP 800-171 and CMMC, you know, they lead you in places you might not otherwise think of, and it leads us on the podcast to really expose opportunities to help people. And I think you know, look, I've been inside of very, very, very large companies, you know, where people's jobs are very narrowly focused. And yet, if you really ask them, what's your job, you know, in some cases, they can't answer that. And then, you know, what's worse is big companies are made up of a lot of people who've been promoted over time. And it's not like they like went to school to professionally be a manager, right? They they went to school to do their, their craft, they were good at it. Somebody said, hey, can you manage other people doing this craft? And, that doesn't necessarily mean they've got really great stellar management skills. Um, and so, hey, if this helps you out there, you know, I, I sure hope it does. It's, it's really kind of, I think, what makes this podcast so fun is we've got a lot more leeway to explore topics like this than in some of our, our main YouTube videos that we do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think this is, you know, I, I hope that you guys find it tremendously helpful because I know that the way we run on call isn't the way that we ran it 10 years ago when we didn't have a lot of this stuff in place. And I think on Call's always been really good at providing amazing customer support. But, you know, I would be lying if I told you that on-call was always the world's best run smooth operation. Like that's, you know, that's, uh, there's an old story that my, my brother-in-law tells. It's one of my favorite ones, you know, and, and it was when our kids were really little and, you know, he was having, I think, maybe one-year-old cake smash pictures, right? And, and he's got two, two young kids as well. And he's like, you know, behind every one of these beautiful portrait photographs is probably a wall smeared in poo. And you just an absolute worn out set of parents and and people who have gone through hell to get that one good picture. And (laughs) I think, that you know, if you're out there and you're building a company, whether you're building a department, a company, whatever you're building out there, or maybe you're just trying to, you know, figure out all this defense stuff. Like, you know, to get a little bit of help to understand what does the perfect picture look like? Um, I'm not saying our picture is perfect, but I I don't think it's real far off. You know, again, I didn't bring that up. I think, you know, one of our team members here in Roman brought that up and it's something that helps him and it also helps you meet this control to have that documented. So if you've got team members that are struggling uh, or maybe you've got a team member, this is one of my other favorite things, because this is how the spreadsheet came about. We had team members that would constantly come to us and say, hey, look, I'm super busy. I can't finish everything you need me to finish. And what would happen is uh, we would instruct a manager or I would sit down with that person and go, okay, well, help me understand. What are your job duties? Okay, well, write them down. All right, great. Well, let's see here. How long does this take? And here, if you want to be the world's most badass manager, I yeah, pardon my French here, but seriously, if you mm-hmm. want to be a badass manager, here's the real trick to it. Go do the activities with that person. All right, go do the activities with that person. And then figure out how much time it really takes because then you know and they know and they can't BS you. And you can't BS them either, right? And it's, it's a mutual, mutually respected role as a supervisor to walk in, do the job in a kick-butt way the way it's supposed to be done, but then also document the time. And you know what I do is I, I give my people uh, 200 to 300% more time on their schedule to complete the same task that it would take me to do. I do not, as an owner ever expect any employee of mine to perform above 70% of what I perform like. Sorry, fact is they just don't have the amount of skin in the game that I do. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, we're not driven by the same motor and, and, and any kind of expectation for that to be the case is an over expectation and and you're, you're looking to be let down. Um, so again, that's not a bad thing for the employee. You know, what that also translates into is employees that stay longer, love their job, have greater retention, have more freedom and flexibility and creativity to actually in the end do that job better than you can as a busy manager or a busy owner. Um, you know, sure I can get, you know, some aspects of marketing done. The reality is I could never do them as well as Roman can when he's got a full 40 hour work week completely dedicated dedicated to marketing while I'm sitting here splitting my time between the five other things that I manage. Um, so anyway, not to go off on a tangent, but but again, I, I do hope it's helpful and I think it is Loosely relevant to the idea that there are major massive benefits to documenting exactly what it is that your people are doing, uh, you know, both from a higher perspective as managers, but also from a lower perspective as the employees themselves just getting a clue about what is it that these guys really expect out of me and making sure that the company knows what it expects out of its people.
0: Going off of your uh, wall smeared and poo analogy, there's an old Jeff Foxworthy bit where he talks about, you know, you're, you're sitting around your house on a Saturday and you get a call from a friend and he says, oh, we're just in, a na- in the neighborhood, thought we stopped by, be there in five minutes. You hang up the phone the, that phone and do the 90 mile an hour flight of the bumblebee mad dash to get everything cleaned and stuff in the closet they can't see. First thing you say when you open the door: "Come on in. The house is a mess. Sorry about the mess. You know, that's just that's another one of those things. But before we wrap this up, we want to make sure that we we hit our favorite part of the podcast, which is the silly question. And I have to say, the the the, the strategy proposed in this question, I kind of like it. I think we should do it here at On Call. Whereas <laughs> to to prevent collusion, should should we replace traditional passwords with knock knock jokes as login credentials? I
1: fully, I fully believe that the the era of passwords is over. I don't care what it gets replaced with. Knock knock jokes would be the ultimate. Uh, but hey, you know what? I, I think, um, I think that everybody should have a few inside jokes around the office.
0: I love the idea that you you wake up, you turn on your computer, and and your profile pops up, and and that, that right at the beginning, before you even get in, and before you do, you have to correctly answer why did the chicken cross the road.
1: That's right. Love you know, it, I'll, tell love you, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, I have a father-in-law and, um, and he is just your, the world's best dad jokes guy. Uh, love,
0: love a good dad joke.
1: Oh man. I'm pretty sure that there's like speaking normally. And then like he has a whole language where he just speaks in dad jokes. And, uh, and I love it. It's very relatable. And it just, it, you know, now I tell dad jokes because of him and I
0: like every time I do. I got a dad joke for our viewers and listeners before we get out of here. It's really bad, but I heard it the other day, and I have to share it. What starts with an E, ends with an E, and only has one letter in between? I. Not a bad guess. Envelope. Envelope. All right, there we go. Because it's got a letter. Oh. Oh, Mike just got it, everybody. Mike just got it.
1: (laughs) <laughs>
0: uh, so on that note
1: <laughs> there was no collusion on that joke There was no collusion
0: <laughs> yes i trust he i i promise you he did not know the answer before i i uh i gave it to him so <laughs> on that note that wraps up another great episode of mission compliance and i have to say it was a particularly great episode uh we we hope our discussion today has provided you with valuable insights practical strategies inspiration and just a little bit of a good dad joke that you can share with your friends to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. We'd like to thank Mike for joining us and providing us with valuable information on this critical topic. Thanks, Mike. Hey, always a pleasure, Roman. But the conversation doesn't end here. We encourage you to continue exploring these topics and connect with us on our social media channels. And you know what? Send us your best dad joke. Maybe it'll make it on the podcast. We don't know. If you're watching a short on this thing, send us a dad joke in the comments. We'd love to hear them. Yes, put your best dad joke in the comments. Share your thoughts, ask questions, share your dad jokes, engage with fellow listeners using the hashtag Mission Compliance Podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcast platform so you always know when new episodes like this one are released. And we'd we'd also really appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review the show. Your feedback helps us to continue to bring you thought-provoking episodes and high-quality content. Join us next time as we delve further into the dynamic world of defense, security, and industry innovation. Until then, take care, stay informed, and make compliance your mission. See you next time.